Lord, just open our hearts to see what we need to see. They say as you get older, you start talking more about your younger days. So, (laughs) back in high school, uh, I'm now remembering many of those incidents and things that happened when I was in high school. And when uh, I remember one day in the hallway at my locker between classes, and I was just focused on getting to the next class on time, and a girl from my grade comes up to me and says, why is it that God is invisible to me? Why can't I see him? In fact, if he would just show him, if he's really real, why doesn't he just show himself? If he does, then we would all believe. Everyone would believe if God would just simply show up in the physical realm. Why doesn't God do that? Why is God invisible? Why is he hidden if he's real? All he would have to do is show up and we'd all believe. And so I begin to think about that. Really, it's one of the top five questions probably of all time. If God is, then why doesn't he, wouldn't that be easy? And yet he doesn't. And so is he? Where is God? Where is God? And I decided at that moment I was going to answer that question. And so throughout my life, I've come back to it. As I go through the scriptures, I'll see things and I will go, oh, Well, that answers that question. Well, there's another answer. Oh, there's another. I'm going to give you three today. And I'm going to talk about this for two reasons. One is it helps all of us go a little deeper. It kind of opens our thinking. We, You may already know what I'm about to say, but we need to be encouraged that there is no barrier. The other is that there are people in your life, I'm assuming that you believe in this God who is hidden. But there are people in your life who don't know that, and we find ourselves tripping over our own tongues as we try to explain things. So I'm hoping that I'll give you a little ammunition today, that I'll give you something to think about that you can explain, tell other people, because it really helps. I, I think when questions are raised, we ought to have answers. We have the answer. We really have all the answers. There there are a few we don't have. And we'll stay up till midnight talking about those things that we'll never be able to fully answer, okay? And it boils down to just a few questions, maybe one or two in my estimation. But leave that where it is. There are a lot of questions that are, in fact, answered. The New Testament actually tells us that what was a mystery is no longer a mystery. That, that is, Paul said that over and over again in different letters that he wrote. And so let's discover some things today about this mysterious hidden God. Is God playing hide and seek? We'll answer that in just a minute. Why can't 
I see God. I'm actually created, believe it or not, with a need to see God. And David said, uh, when he brought the Ark of the Covenant, this is King David in the Old Testament, brought the Ark of the Covenant, which was the, the signification of worship, if you will, the presence of God. He brought it back to the tabernacle in 1 Chronicles 16.11. And here's what he says. And this also shows up in Psalm 105. Same, same quote. Verse 11, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. So why am I to seek something that I cannot see? Seek his face evermore. So how do we see a God that we can't see? Let me give you a little history. Let's start with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, it seems, actually had face-to-face. It doesn't actually say that, but you have this picture of of Adam, uh, God bringing Adam the animals to name, and they had this easy conversation between them. Then he and Eve actually seemingly had these walks in the garden with God. And it says in the cool of the day, God was walking in the garden, and they heard his footsteps. Can you imagine what that must have sounded like? You know, hearing the footsteps of God. You know, everybody thinks... You know, like, but you know, think think of it. I, I I don't know if that's really what it was because how big does God have to be? I mean, I mean, it, he no matter how he revealed himself to them, he's bigger than that. Do you understand? So, so I don't I don't know what that sounded like, but there's an indication from that sound that there was an actual walking in the garden together. And what happened was they, because they had just been deceived by the serpent Satan and had was now had now embraced sin they hid themselves from God they hid from God and he said why are you hiding and as if he didn't know and they said because we were deceived by the serpent ate the fruit of the tree you said not to eat from and 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 that was the end of that they were literally put out of the garden, not, not because God didn't love them anymore. He put an angel at the, the gateway to the garden so that they couldn't get back in. Now, there were a couple of reasons for that. One is that they would not eat at the tree of life because then they would live forever in that condition, which would not be good. And the other is that, well, it's kind of like if you were to find yourself all of a sudden face-to-face Let's say you showed up right at the sun, S-U-N, and where you could reach out and touch it. You would be the first and you would be the last. And sin separates us from God because sin and righteousness cannot dwell together. So a righteous God and sin, well, we would fry. Can anybody say fried? I mean, we... We would fry like being next to the sun. That's what would happen with sin and righteousness. God loves us more than that. He wouldn't want that to happen to us. And so we were separated from God, the Bible teaches us. So that's, that's number one. 
The, the first reason that we are not in this face-to-face relationship with God is because of sin. We're separated from God by need. We must be separated. He loves us that much. Then as you look through the Old Testament, you'll see other instances. It's almost as if God really was trying to reveal himself in a physical form. He showed up for several people, but by the what was called the angel of the Lord in most cases. So one was uh, Jacob when he wrestled, you know, the angel. Well, uh, that angel was in fact the Lord, but it was the angel of the Lord. And I don't know how to explain this except to say that God showed up in the form of his own angel. And when Jacob was done, he knew that he had been with God, yet he was with the angel of the Lord. So the whole... Uh, what we know about that is that God cannot show up in his raw form with Jacob, but he shows up in the form of the angel of the Lord, but it's God, okay? And so he, he fought with, and then afterwards he said, I've, I've seen the face of God. That's what he said. I've been with God, and yet here I am alive, see? Because God was in the form of the angel of the Lord. The same is true. Remember the story of Samson? Samson's parents also had that encounter with the angel of the Lord. And after they did, the angel of the Lord came and said, you're going to have a son, he's special, you know, I'm going to use him. And, uh, and the mother, after the angel of the Lord left, the mother said, we're going to die because we've just been face to face with God. But they, they won't because he came in the form of the angel of the Lord. Look, there was, um, there was Elijah in, in, I read this story not long ago to you, in the cave, and God passed by him, and Elijah actually saw the backside of God, but could not see him face to face. Um, there was uh, Moses. Moses, we, I mean, I, it didn't say face to face, but man, he was in the presence of God to the extent that his face changed, and so the glory of God would be all over his face. It would, it would, it would subside, but you, you see there's this intent, this desire for God to be close, to be face-to-face, to reveal himself. He's, he is revealing himself to us even through those days before Jesus came. And so you see these things all through the Old Testament. But now let's go to the New Testament. Um, uh, John chapter 1, verse 1 says, well, it says, wait, wait, I'm not there. Let's go to John chapter 14. Starting with verse 6, Jesus said to him, now let me give you the setting. Jesus is actually the day of before the cross, the evening of. He's spending hours with his disciples, which he always did, but this time we have it written down. We have like five chapters of this one encounter in John. And in John 14, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one 
comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Whoa. Now, that was a new thought to the disciples. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. See, Philip had been with Jesus face-to-face for two and a half, three years, and he was no different than my high school friend. Show us God, and that'll, that'll be enough. We'll believe. You, we, think, we, we think the disciples had an advantage on us by being with Jesus face-to-face. After Jesus was even raised from the dead, they still doubted. Do you realize that? We'll come back to that. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? And yet you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. That makes me think they did have an advantage. And why can't I see you, Jesus? Because if I see you, I've seen the Father. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, the Father in me, or else believe for the sake of the works themselves. The Father has been with you all this time, he's telling them. There are a couple of scriptures that really bear this out. There's more than two, but I'll just share two. Colossians 1.15, he, Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. In this sense, God actually did reveal himself in the physical form of his son, but his son was the image of the invisible God. Then look at uh, Colossians 2.9. For in him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And some of you know some other scriptures. Jesus came and revealed the Father to us. Now, we don't have a photo, you know. The disciples, for some reason, didn't pull out their iPhones during those three, three years and take a photo of Jesus, but we don't have a photo, and I'm glad we don't, but that person that we know of and read of in the Scriptures, the description of his character and how he lived and what he said is a picture of God. That's one of the primary reasons he came was because we do not have face-to-face. He would give us face-to-face and person-to-person, and we would have that encounter. He, God is in the process of revealing himself. It's what he wants, to reveal himself. And so he became visible in his son. He became visible to mankind. But Obviously, this was not a long-term solution. There were some problems with Jesus hanging around for generations on end. There were a couple of real problems. And, uh, you know, the first one is that Jesus had paid the price for our sin. And 
He had dealt with death. He had gotten the barrier out of the way between us and God. And so now we have a new relationship with the Father. And he's about to describe it to his disciples right here in the same scripture. I'm going to read it to you. And he had to literally leave in order for this to happen. I must go. I send what? Who? The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. So look at John, look at verse 16 in John 14. And he's still answering the same question. This is what I want you to see. If you'll read 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, all these chapters is one long conversation. And in verse 16, he says, I, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. He's, he's answering the question, show us God. He says, I'll pray the Father, he'll give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither receives him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So he's actually saying, Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit has been with you. Why? Because Jesus has been with them. Now, even through the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would show up, but he didn't come to dwell in, in the Old Covenant. And with the disciples, they had the Holy Spirit with them because it was the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of Christ. And so he, he was with you, he said, but he will be in you. Oh, wonder what he means by that, they're thinking. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. He's not talking about the resurrection. He's not talking about the second coming. He, what he's saying is, I'm not going to leave you in a condition of separation from God. I'm not going to leave you when I leave you in the physical, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to do something here that's going to take care of this problem of being separate from. I'm not going to leave you. I'm, I will come to you. Now you say, now, are you sure that's what he's saying? All you have to do is keep reading. Here we go. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Now, what, is he talking about the resurrection here? Now, the world's not going to see me because I'm just going to show up where you can see me. Actually, there were 500 people who saw Christ raised, raised from the dead. But he's not talking about that. He's saying, the world will not see me, but you will see me. What's he talking about? If you're not going to be here, how is it that we can see you? Watch this. The world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about seeing something that's not visible. Seeing something with a different eye. Seeing something that's described by the Father in me and I in Him, you in me, I in you. When I come to you, it's going to be a different kind of relationship. This is what He's saying. And then He says, He says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is He who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love Him and manifest myself to Him. Jesus says, you have this kind of relationship with the Father and I will manifest myself to you. I will show myself to you. Ooh. 
He says, he, um, Judas, verse 22, not Iscariot, not the one who betrayed Jesus, but another disciple called Judas, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? He's asking the question what, the way we would ask it. Well, how are you going to show yourself to us, but you're not going to show yourself to the people who don't know you? How are you going to do that? And so Jesus, here's why I know what he's talking about, because here's how he answers that question. He says, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And here's, here's the line that you need to write down and write it again and write it again and write it again. We will come to him and make our home with him. We, the Father and I, through this helper of the Holy Spirit, we will come to you and we will make our home with you. Now, for those of you that can accept this, I didn't read the first few verses in this chapter, but it talks about him going and preparing a place for you. And it's not a house in the sky. The place he's going to prepare for you is not just where you're going to live after you die. The place he went to prepare for us at that point was this place. We will come to you and make our home with you. I'm going to prepare a place for you in your relationship with the Father through me that's intimate, that's beyond face-to-face. Hey, do you realize, and this is number two, why is God hidden? This is number two. Because inside is better than beside. Inside is closer than beside. God can be this close, and it's not as close as this close. There is no closer than God positioning himself in my spirit. You can't get closer than that. And you can't have any comparable relationship outside of that. I don't want to just have a face-to-face with God where I know him because I scientifically agree with the fact that my eyes can see him. I don't want to have a relationship with God where he's sitting on a throne and I know he's real because I've seen him with my eyes, but I don't have the intimate relationship with him of him dwelling on the inside. I guarantee you the disciples, if you were to ask them, if they were to compare their relationship with Christ or with the Father through Christ by the Holy Spirit after Pentecost, compare that relationship to the relationship they had with Jesus before the cross, they would, it would be hands down. Listen, they were still in doubt after they saw the resurrected Christ. But when the Holy Spirit came, everything came alive. Everything in them made sense. Even what didn't make sense made sense. And they started writing about things they couldn't even explain. I mean, the disciples had a relationship with Jesus now that was far greater than the one they had with him before. Mary, the mother of Jesus, no comparison to Jesus in my heart, in my spirit, 
to birthing Jesus in the flesh. No comparison. See, we, we take it for granted. But this is what God has done for us. This is why he's hidden in the physical. Listen, so what? The, it seems that the angels of heaven had access to the physical God on the throne, and Lucifer and a third of the angels got kicked out of heaven. It was not enough for them. And then we were created in his image to demonstrate what the real deal is and what God was really after. So let me just answer the question. Yes, God is playing hide and seek. Seek and you will find. You know, Carol and I have been married. This summer will be 39 years. Am I right? <laughs> Just checking. And so uh, we can live in the same house and say that we love each other and see each other. But if either one of us are not interested in the other person or seeking the other person out and wondering what's going on in their heart and in their life and asking questions and seem interested, then, you know, and this is true with any relationship you have. If there's somebody who in your, I mean, they say you're, you're their best friend, but they're always talking about themselves. They never actually ask you a question about you. Are they really your best friend? See, when they're always just talking about themselves. No, if, 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 if there's true, a true intimate relationship, that person is wanting to know about you and seeking you out and getting to know who you really are day after day after day or week after week at least. There has to be some pursuit of relationship. What do you, you think God wants something less than that? He wants the intimate relationship. He wants you to know him, not know what he looks like. He wants you to know him. And that takes heart to heart, spirit to spirit. Now, I don't just get to know him by him verbally talking to me. I get to know him by his spirit of his deep talking to my spirit in my deep far better. Inside is better than beside. Seek and you will find. And I'll close with this. The third one, so number one, we're, you know, sin separates us from God. Number two, well, it's just that the relationship I have with him in the hidden state inside in my heart is far better than the face-to-face. -face. And number three is this. If God can be seen, then I'm no longer needed. If God can be seen, then your purpose is now kaput. You have no reason for being here. Ephesians 3.10 says this, and it says it all over the place. We just haven't seen it. But Ephesians 3.10 tells you that God, through the church, God's people, he will actually reveal to the principalities and powers his many, the many sides of himself. He will reveal himself to the powers that couldn't get it in eternity past. Then we learn through Jesus that we're actually now the body of Christ. Oh, we're the physical representation of Christ on the earth. When people look at us, this is the only Jesus they'll... Don't you say that to people? Well, we're the only Jesus they'll see. 
God actually created us in His image so that we would become the instruments through which He would reveal Himself. You are the visible dynamic of what God wants others to see. Oh, that's our purpose. That's why we're here. We don't have a reason for being without that. You might not want him to show up all of a sudden in the physical realm on this side of things because you would no longer have purpose. You would lose your meaning in life. You are the body of Christ. You are the witness of Christ. Jesus said this. I love this verse. He said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. We are what God wants others to see. By the way, if you really need to see God, first open your eyes. He's in creation. Why do you think scientists are so enthralled with biology and creation? The deeper you go, the more you discover the intricacies of creation. It's phenomenal. And in Romans, Paul tells us no one is without excuse because God reveals himself even in creation. He's everywhere. You can see the impact of who he is. Number two, he's in the scriptures. And when you become a believer, you realize that you're, when you're reading the Bible, you're not just reading words. The very Word of God, Jesus, was called the Word. Because the Word becomes life, the very presence of God is in His Word, Jesus. God is right here. There's even a scripture that Pat McNerney threw at me this week. The Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's why you need to stay in the place of prayer so your heart gets purified again and we begin to see God. We see God in circumstances. But listen, we see God in people. A lot of God that is to be discovered is to be discovered in the people around you. Ouch. I don't really like that because I can't find anybody that's perfect. You know, I've been looking. Some of you are close. Until I get to know you better. <laughs> and yet God's chosen all of these imperfect people to reveal his very nature and his character. It's amazing. So I, um, just one little example that I know we all need to be able to relate to if you can't then maybe nobody knows you're a Christian. That, that's a real key. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And I, I have this advantage, I know, it's really a disadvantage. You think it's an advantage that I'm a pastor. So when somebody finds out I'm a pastor, then, you know, they start relating to me on a spiritual level immediately. And that's true, but it's the hard side of that is that people are not who they really are when they find out I'm a pastor. They clean up their language. They put this really silly smile on their face, you know, it's because they're with the holy man, you know, so they have to act holy, all right? 
And so I don't like that, really. I try to engage with people without them discovering that for a while. I do that on purpose so that they'll be themselves, and I can do what you do and get in the back door and talk to them, get them to open up. And uh, this guy at a particular place of business in the community, I don't want to say who it is so, or where it is, and so uh, he found out I was a pastor. And so then he starts opening up, and he starts saying to me, uh, yeah, my wife, she comes from this perspective spiritually, and I grew up this perspective so we compromise and go to that church. And he said, and I, I go with her because she wants me to. And I can tell, he's told me enough, this, this girl is on fire for God, and he doesn't really know God. That's really what's happened. And he says, we, but I go with her because I, I want her to be happy, and, but I don't even believe I can pray in that church. You know, I don't even believe that, you know, that I don't know. I just, but I go, and I like, I like the preacher, and I like, I like the music's really good, and he, you know, he's going into the singing. And so, so he'll, he'll talk to me. He'll pull me over to the side when nobody else is around, when he's not serving someone else. He'll call me over to him, and he'll say, he'll say hey, you know, even though somebody else is helping me, you know. And he'll say, yeah, this, is, this happened the other day. What do you think about this? And he'll, now the other day, his wife got him to the Easter service, and he prayed. And he told me, he said, I prayed. I said, okay, what did you pray? He said, well, you know, my son has this lump on his head, and I was, we were concerned it was cancer, and we had some tests runs. But then we went in to the doctor this weekend. He said, man, it's, there's no cancer. He says, my wife and I are just so excited and so thankful. And, uh, you know, you may think, well, that, that's a simple thing. I mean, he went to the doctor, found out he didn't have, but this guy connected. He, you know, he can, you know, we pray because we need something, right? And so he's, he's, he's telling me, you know, he said, you know what? I kind of, kind of felt it when I prayed. Now there's another client waiting and the manager's right over here. So it's not, it's getting a little sticky. And so I had to go because he had to leave. But I said to him something like, you know, just something like, look, man, stay right there because God, God is, he'll speak to you. You keep praying. See? Look, you're the only Jesus that people are going to see. You are the physical of what God has put before others. You are his answer to where is God. Do you see that? Stand with me.